Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving. Now, in season two, The Cannamom Show continues on its mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. Go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. We are back for another show and it's so confusing because it's Monday, not Wednesday and we're having a tornado and I don't know, Dave, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm clicking my ruby slippers together just in case, but we can't have a tornado in Massachusetts. I failed. I, 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 I don't believe that. My friend was in the bathtub. I, I, I don't. I, not normal. Yeah, All right, let's well. let's let's just move on to more normal things. So, so this weekend, I'm a quilter, person, whatever, making masks. I'm sending you one of these, Dave. These are my RBG women, uh, woman of many colors, I love color it. Yeah. masks, which all guests get, which you'll be excited to hear today. So cool. I know. But the thing I'm really focused on, and I think maybe our guest today can help talk about this too, is my, my quilt. I keep talking about doing a quilt of the, all the women I've interviewed this season. Yeah. Yeah. So it will be almost, it'll be a hundred women by the end of June of 2021, which How is about a lot, that? right? Milestone. A yes. Lot, a lot of women. So and I like musical theater, all that yes. kind of weird, nerdy. Yeah. 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 So do you know, I don't know, maybe from your camp till nowhere days, do you remember the musical Joseph? And his amazing of course, amazing technical code. Yes, I, I just oh, yes. I just saw a performance of it, but just pre-COVID, my buddy Max, his son Bradley, was Joseph in, in Canton, and we went to Canton High School. And yeah, all the right. songs, love it. The Technic and Donnie Osmond. I was having a meeting with my intern this morning who had no idea what I was talking about, but you do. Of course, Joseph. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> I don't know the well, words, but you can pull it later. So, so my quilt, the idea is to make a Technicolor quilt canvas mm-hmm. with the women's pictures are going to be in black and white on the edge. So I'm calling it the women of the Technicolor cannabis quilt. 
or something like that. So we're going to work on a motto for like next season. I think it's happening. I'm excited for this. So that was my epiphany this weekend when I was sewing my mask, listening to theater music because I'm a musical theater nerd. I love it. Thank you. Okay. And we talked about Cam Till Noah. Look how I tied it all together there. (laughs) Yep. I've got some music from Joseph. Here you go. That's not the song I was looking that's, that's, for. That's, a lot, that's part of it. That's a yeah. long story. It's about the Bible. It taught me all about like the Bible story, really. It's helpful. It's, yeah. On many levels, it's entertaining. So, But today, I don't know. There's probably cannabis in there somewhere. Maybe that's why Joseph sent them. Who knows? I'm sure there's <laughs> cannabis in the Bible. We just aren't talking about it. <laughs> right. Right, right. But we talk okay. about it on this podcast. Thank you. We do because we, we can find it connected to everything. So let's talk about today's guest because she knows a lot about this. So. I met today's guest early in my cannabis journey at a women's cannabis event in Boston. It was where I first heard the medical doctor speak about the endocannabinoid system. And the first time I tried the amazing CBD products created by Healing Rose, a Massachusetts-based and women-owned business. And ever since, when people ask me about today's guest, I say she is one of the leaders I'm following in the industry, and maybe I'll be like her when I grow up. So. Although she could be described as a unicorn, like so many of the amazing women leaders in cannabis, because prior to 2015, when she made her leap into cannabis, today's guest worked for a marketing department at some of Boston area's leading legal and financial service firms. And her unique ability to apply the best practices and proven methods she developed in coaching lawyers, accountants, and other executives is now benefiting the cannabis industry And she is building an expansive and trusted cannabis network in New England as the co-founder of Elevate Northeast, a Massachusetts-based woman-founded nonprofit created to support Northeast growing cannabis industry through workforce training, education, and advocacy. So here today to talk about women in cannabis, cannabis entrepreneurs, and what she sees happening in New England and cannabis in 2021 co-founder and executive director of Elevate Northeast, Beth Waterfall. Yeah. Yay, Beth. <laughs> we met years ago, right, Beth, man? Hi, guys. Yes, thank you so much for that very warm welcome. It feels like, I don't know, like 20 years ago, but yeah, just a <laughs> Cannabis few years. years. Cannabis <laughs> years are dog years, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yep. Um, <laughs> we so got through 70 minutes here. <laughs> All right. So let's just, I don't know, let's talk about Elevate Northeast because I know the ladies you co-founded with, maybe to sort of start where that in Massachusetts and kind of build it up from there. So, you know, how did you find each other? What was the impetus? Why this happened? And that. That. Yeah. Well, (laughs) cannabis brought us together. Absolutely. So Elevate Northeast, that's Elevate Northeast Events and Education, 501c3 nonprofit uh, founded by myself, Tashonda Vincent Lee, and Kara Crab Burnham, who are tremendous and wonderful leaders in their own right. And we kind of came together really after I was running the Women Grow Boston organization here. Women Grow is a national networking organization for women. And in 2015, I started running the Boston uh, chapter here in Mass. And the, the national organization went through some ups and downs. Right. And we ended up kind of through all those programs. It wasn't just women in the room. And, and I never wanted it to be just women because I, I come from a background where I have people that I love in my life who are LGBT 
people of color, men and women. Absolutely. So I was always saying, I would get questions from, from men. Can I come to this event? And I said, absolutely. I want, this is about perspectives. We have this opportunity now to, to be a part of shaping an industry and creating the narrative. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. What do we want it to look like? And women specifically haven't really ever had that kind of opportunity before. Right. And I think anybody really in any industry, there are people that have been marginalized one way or another, whether it's the way they look, the way they dress, how they sound, how they talk. And I really saw cannabis as an opportunity for people like me at the time I was in my mid thirties and I was looking at my career as, okay, next I'll be the CMO of this marketing department at this law firm. And that was not exciting to me. So the way cannabis changed my life, I wanted that to be as accessible as possible to other people who had felt like maybe they'd done some good work in a different industry, but it, it was never really them or they weren't really. Well, it's that, it's that's changing the story. I mean, that we talk about this all the time on the show, the shame, like you live, these, especially the professional women. So you know, you've seen me for a while. This really is who I am. Meeting all these professional women who, you know, have used cannabis on a regular basis all their lives and are finally able to talk about it. And yeah. they're, they're building a new story about what business can look like. I think that's the exciting part. So totally. I mean, the, the truth is when we say like people are marginalized, what we really mean is that structures are built for a certain type of person, all the business structures. I talk about this as a woman who had children because mm. once you have children, everything changes because it's not built for anyone really. So I think of cannabis and you do too, is like this industry that we can help, we can help create the foundation. So as it's being built as a business, it has different um, culture, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just a different way to think of things and, and listen to different voices. So yeah, we're definitely on the same page there, Joyce. So what? It, so let's just talk about like, so your two co-founders, what were your, uh, just you can talk a little about who they are and how sure. I know Kara. Um, yeah. So Kara, yeah. Kara Crabburnham, she was a really accomplished activist and leader in the cannabis space. Well, before I came along, she was running the Northeastern Institute of Cannabis, which was a school in Natick. She was, one of, she was one of my very first interviews. I actually, I remember meeting Kara at like a coffee shop. Like it felt very underground. Like, I'm like, what's your story? Do you want to come on my podcast? And yeah, she's great. Yeah, I love her. Um, yeah. we come, we've become um, fast friends in the process too. And then to Shonda, she started coming to the Women Grow events and she one day asked to volunteer. And so we got to know her that way. I saw how, how much of a hard worker she was and just having her perspective as an African-American woman um, on our team, that was, that was really important. And so Tashan and I just like, kicked it off and we're really good friends now. And I'm really proud to have both of them as my co-founders and my business partners. We we work together because we actually really, really do love each other. And they are long. fun events back in the day. Yeah. Remember when we used to like, I do remember going, so you must be oh. learning. So I used to go to events. There was an event in that weird loft and like some scary neighborhood. Like for that one. <laughs> Like if I have to clean the toilets, we're getting our money back. But anyway, so, so I have gone to some of these events, which, you know, you can talk maybe a little about what you were doing, but maybe I'm doing a lot of virtual events now. Yeah. And talk about maybe what you've, maybe how things looked a little bit right before. And then how are you sure. transitioning? How is this working at new? And are you engaging more people? That might be interesting if that's actually changing who's coming. For or- sure. For sure. Yeah. So at the beginning of the year, we spent all this money um, preparing for Nikan Boston in March. And we we're going to do this big splash to drive membership. And Again, I talk about Nikan all the time because that was supposed to be the great cannabis, the you know, Cannabis Mom show launch. And then it ended. So uh, you yeah, want to talk, quick, yeah. talk quickly about what Nikan was supposed to be and then what happened? Yeah. So Nikan, <laughs> the New England Cannabis Convention, a warm spot in so many of our hearts. Uh, is that five the, years? How many years is it? So their first one was five years ago, September, because that was the first cannabis event that I ever went to was in Boston. And after that event, so it's a convention. Yeah. Like you walk in and there's 
bongs yeah. and stuff for yep. sale. And it was People the first time I'd ever. Yeah. So, so that was my first experience. And then I, I reached out to the, uh, the owner of Nikan after that, because I saw it as an opportunity for maybe to do some, some work, get a little bit of a gig because right. my background was in marketing and events and stuff. And so I said, Oh, a convention, this is kind of a, th- there's an opportunity. And he, he hired me. And then fast forward, I was on their advisory committee. And up until this year where things have gotten really strange, I was developing the programming for their, some of their events, Boston being the big one. Boston was a huge show at the Heinz. Can you just talk about Center. the growth? Let's talk about like what it looked like five years ago and like what it was supposed to look like in March of 2000. Oh gosh. Yeah. So five years ago, it was uh, the castle in Boston. And for folks that are familiar with downtown Boston, it's a kind of in the, the park plaza area, this, and it's an event funky. place. It's not that big. It's, no. it's, Icon- um, it's iconic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of funky looking on the outside, but the inside isn't all that big. It's all maybe the size of like a, um, like a church. It's like a big church kind of. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. So they had, yeah. they had some people set up vendors and then an area where they had speakers. But then after the next year, it was at the Heinz Convention Center in one of the expo halls. And then and so back- can I ask about that? Was that a hard sell, like getting into the Heinz? Like, was that a difficult situation for um, you? So I wasn't part of those conversations oh, early okay. on getting into the Heinz. I know it's definitely loosened up a little bit. But as you, you've seen over the past couple of years, there's been security. Oh, yeah. Um, last oh, it's year, much amped up. Metal detectors for people coming in. Yep. We expanded the floor, so we're on multiple floors now, more right. space. But Nikan isn't the only cannabis event happening there. NCIA does an event there right. and probably some others, but it's a convention hall and we've yeah. got money. So, for anyone, so anyone out there who's never been to one of these, like they range in more of like from business to business to consumer, depending on where you are. I would say the yeah. ones in Boston tend to be more businessy business and that the one in Worcester was more like more product, I felt like more sort of smaller businesses. Oh, that was a, that was the cup because that was the yeah, cup, yeah, yeah. right? So yeah, totally yeah. different businesses, yeah, and totally yeah. different types of events. Yeah, Nikan is definitely more geared towards businesses and bringing customers to those businesses and creating relationships for smaller businesses to collaborate. But the Harvest Cup, that's a great event too, which was unfortunately moved virtual this year. But that one's specifically for for cultivating and growing, and they give awards to people. Um, that one's like a little bit more fun if you've never been to yeah. a cannabis <laughs> event. <laughs> Yeah, there's they have uh, they have they have a huge joint rolling competition there. That one's yeah. definitely fun. <laughs> and, it, and it's anyway, like it's a product, it's contest, so you see all the bud, you can see all the different things that are uh, the concentrate. So you can see everything is right there. It's not like it's not a little sterilized. A little bit on the business side can be a yeah. little sterilized because that is information technology, that is lawyers, yeah. that is risk management, mm-hmm. that's a lot of the production equipment. Whereas the Harvest Cup is really much more fun. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's all about who has the best weed. <laughs> yes, I'll agree. <laughs> <laughs> and you just see people and it's just a good time. All right. So let's kind of like back up a little bit. So in 2018, you were named by the Boston Business Journal, one of the 40 under 40 list in recognition yeah. of your opportunities for other cannabis industries. So 2018, it's not that long ago, but in cannabis no. years, it's really long ago. So <laughs> that was really a, a cool honor. And again, my background working in these um, more mainstream industries, I've tried to inject those kind of not just only marketing to cannabis consumers or only marketing in cannabis publications. So even elevate a lot of what I do is trying to break stigma, normalize and cross the bridge outside of cannabis culture into normal cult, normal culture, right? Uh, because cannabis is part of normal culture for a lot of people. Uh, you're the first person to say to me, you're like, cannabis is like the regular world, but a little upside down. Yeah, I like that. I like you, but you said it. So I'm like, yes, right. It is like because I went walking around like the Harvest Cup and I'm like, my eyes are popping onto my head. And I'm like, what is this world? <laughs> it's a lot to take in. It is yeah. a lot to take in. Um, okay. 
yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it's all about breaking stigma. And the BBJ, Boston Business Journal, the year before, I actually got one of my clients, Chanel Lindsay from Ardent. She she was the first. We just talked to her last two weeks Former ago. guest on the Cannon Mom Show. Yeah. And I just um, got my decarboxylator. I'm going to be like something for Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. <laughs> but yeah. So when I was working for Chanel in 2017, she was the first cannabis industry, anybody to get on that list. So that was, that was an accomplishment to just be part of nominating her and, and submitting that. And then the year after she nominated me and, and I got it. So she and I were the first and to this day, the only cannabis people on that list. So that it's really rewarding and exciting to be in that room in front of people who are from the hospitals and from banks and from insurance companies and getting up in there and just being another business. That. And it's yeah. just normal. And, um, I, and, I, and I like that again. So I kind of can flip the question a little bit because you are the sort of younger generation. You're building this now as it's I'm 41. <laughs> Whatever, I'm 55. Like it's kind of past me, but I will say one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is I'm sure you're reading about this too. And this was sort of part of my era, but it's like a thousand times worth now with COVID with women who professional women who have to drop out professionally and the stigma. Once you drop out professionally, that's you're kind of like in the world that was created. Yeah. Before COVID, you were done. Like I used to give advice, I say this all the time about women lawyers like transitioning. Yeah. And it was literally do not drop out. <laughs> so, do you, and my hope, my dream is that we're going to build an industry where we understand professionalism can come in and out and that what you're doing at home is still management. And, yep. and now, because there's so much flexibility, I find this interesting because, I don't mean, my, they literally told me as a lawyer, I couldn't do my job at home. Like, that's how it was. And when there are studies, like working at home all the time isn't great, but the flexibility, yeah. now we finally, like my mother used to say I had a choice, but I don't think I had a choice. Hmm. But it feels like now we are creating up a world that has choices. You can work at home, you can work virtually. So how do you see this impacting maybe these women who are dropping out of other professions? Do you, I don't know, are you dreaming this? Like the women who are actually doing this, I'm like, are you dreaming of creating a world that will absorb all those smart ladies back into us? So we have them. (laughs) Oh, so I mean, I hope that I am an example, a positive example of how you can take sophisticated skills and years, decades of experience in maybe a pseudo rewarding type of place and bring that to cannabis. Because one thing that, so last week, in fact, we had an event where we, with Elevate and uh, Holyoke Community College, where we had employers come and talk about some of the challenges that they're seeing um, in hiring and, and training and keeping staff producing well. And a big, I mean, you could not deny that multiple people were saying, and I've seen this too, how some people come to the industry and think, well, I'm going to show up to work and we just smoke weed all day. That is absolutely not the case. It's, these are businesses. Some are public companies. Some are dealing, most of them, particularly if they're licenses, licensed entities, they're dealing with really complex regulatory um, and compliance focused parameters in which they have to operate. And yes. it's not willy nilly. So there are people, there's so many opportunities for lawyers, even people that are an architect. I've been saying since really from the beginning, like I challenge people to give me a job title or a skill set. And I I know that there's a place for that in cannabis. Somebody even mentioned one time, like, how about a kindergarten teacher? And I was like, well, we have children that use cannabis. So couldn't a cannabis, couldn't a kindergarten teacher have this kind of sensibility and this awareness as they're dealing with the children? Maybe they have kids that are using it. I don't know. There's, there's something. Or kids kids who could use it, who you could like actually finally recommend a CBD product or something instead of putting them on ADHD medicine. Yeah. Yes. Or work for like a a clinic or some sort of company that's trying to develop products for kids. There really is a place for everybody. The 
industry needs sophisticated professional people to help accelerate it because we get a lot of people that have a lot of passion for weed or get really excited about the those high level concepts about how we can revolutionize the world and make it kinder and safer and gentler and happier. But at the end of the day, it's work. Like we're doing real work. So that goes right into my next question. So what are you working like? There's a lot, like, again, what are you seeing? There's growth, there's saturation. There's some areas of cannabis that may be saturated level. What is the growth area? Are you, well, I mean, you can focus on, I mean, the country's different, but we're almost, New England's almost legal. I mean, Connecticut's, I mean, this is coming. So are you yeah, focused just except, on New England? Yeah. Except New Hampshire, live free or die, except don't smoke weed. That, New Hampshire confuses me. <laughs> I don't, my whole country confuses me, but I'm trying to be open. So New England, I'm sorry, what's, what was So how are you working with these businesses? Like, what are you seeing for oh, like, okay. what, what businesses are you, do you think should be coming in? What do you think is saturated? Like, how are you seeing the industry sort of like on a professional level? Again, yeah. it's not just, again, it is, and I see this too. I say women are elevating the professionalism of this industry because at every le- risk management, lawyers, the regulation of this is very specific, municipal law issues. There's mm-hmm. just at, at every level of any other industry, we need professionals who are coming in and willing to sort of, I don't know, give their time. But I- I'm sure there are some areas that there are too many people in and so many yeah. that <laughs> are really where well, we need people. We should be recruiting. Yeah. yeah. So one of my clients that I recently started working with about a month ago, they're called Merrimed. Uh, they're based out of Norwood, Mass, and they're they're an MSO. So they're operating in multiple states. They have licenses in multiple states. And so this has been a really interesting experience for me to get um, under the hood of, of a company that has mu- their hands in multiple things in multiple states. And the first thing I'd let, we were talking about professional skills transferring over. Let's get some more scientists, ladies. Come on. Oh, over yes. Scientists, scientists, scientists. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, because we need, I mean, companies, and not just speaking specifically about my client, but companies, particularly as they're focused on medical marijuana, they they have, you know, medical advisory boards, or they want to work with doctors that, you know, have that clinical background. But then also a huge problem that everybody's facing, or just about everybody's facing in Massachusetts right now is the backlog at the labs. We don't have enough labs to test all the products and all the flour that's coming up. So that's keeping the retailers from being able to sell stuff. Um, and that's a huge one. So can I back up on the lab? So I don't know that much about Massachusetts, but I have heard some crazy horror stories from women in California. So is that... <laughs> is like that, about testing being just like totally inaccurate? Just like these smart women who want to come into this industry because they want to elevate it and they they have good ideas and they know mm-hmm. what it means to be a medical quality lab testing and they want to bring that to cannabis because that's what they believe the cannabis should be. But then they get ensnared in the reality of, I don't, California's got their own stuff going on. <laughs> California does have its own stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I know some of the labs in Massachusetts, obviously you do too. Yeah. It doesn't seem like we're having that kind of issue. It just seems like we don't have that many. So yeah. can you talk about what the issues are? Yeah. Yeah. I, my understanding is it really is just a, a capacity thing that we have only have a certain number of labs, but every week or every couple of weeks, we're getting more cultivators or more retail operators coming online and everything needs to be tested at different stages throughout the process. So that backlog at the labs can can really create a... Uh, so know, is this the same... Kind, so if you're going through... Is that does this kind of licensing through the Cannabis Commission? What is this? Is this like a... I don't even know how labs come into being in Massachusetts. <laughs> I'd never yes. even like thought about this before. <laughs> yeah. So everything... When we go to dispensaries and we buy flour or a joint or a tincture or whatever we're buying at the dispensary, if it has marijuana in it, there are regulations in Massachusetts, just like in other states, that require testing. And the products have to meet certain thresholds to um, to really protect the public. Um, like, so metal, like, like, yeah, like like your aspen is consistent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they're testing for things like metals and molds, pesticides that maybe aren't aren't approved to be 
used in the state. So every now and then you hear about little problems about there was, I think last year there was to talk about a, a pesticide that in that, other yeah. industries is organic and is totally okay to use, but there was somebody was using it here and it's just not on the list. And then when they're, before they're packaged and before they're sold, there's, there's testing that has to be done. And, that's and the cannabinoid that tells you what's actually in yep. there. And so you yeah, see okay. those labels that have how much THC it is. It'll tell you what batch it was and where it was grown and all that. So everything, everything has to go. So through. why do we have so few in Massachusetts? Is that a. So are- labs are wicked expensive to Wicked expensive. Like millions, that's millions, why. <laughs> like all the lab equipment that they would need. It's just millions and millions of dollars. That's, that's my understanding is there's, we don't have enough and to get them set up, it's tons of money. <laughs> it, it just seems like we're like, like I live in Cambridge, Massachusetts. We're in like testing world of America. Like all yeah. of the pharmaceuticals are right here. How Shouldn't yeah, we well, that's like- the thing. So we can't just go to a Quest Diagnostics or a lab that's yeah. already set up because they don't have a license from the CCC to test marijuana. So maybe mm-hmm. someday there'll be some sort of marrying of these laboratories that are already set up to do testing. Maybe they just need to invest in some more some more equipment. But who knows at, at what that will look like. But for now, if you're that's one of the actual license types through the state is to get a laboratory license. Uh, yeah, interesting. Okay, so I don't and know. They I'm only never, test cannabis. It's yeah, never, like I guess I've never talked to. Them. I mean, I know MC, I know the ones that are around here. I just never, I just never thought about why there's so few. Yeah, well, I'll I'll introduce you to somebody that that I work with. Actually, she has a funny story. She she's her background is in pharmaceutical packaging and labeling, and I'll introduce you to her. I mean, I'm just saying, like, so my husband works for Biogen, and you oh know, yeah, I, okay. I, I live in Cambridge. This has been his industry his whole life, and I'm I know there. I mean, he's he's like. He's always telling me, like, Joyce, everyone I work with are women. I'm like, well, the rest of the world doesn't like us. I don't, I can't explain Aww. it. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, there, I see them, like, these pharmaceutical women are there. They're, yep. they're elevated. They're actually becoming sure. professionals. They're rising up in the levels. So, and they're right, like, literally here in Cambridge. So, yeah. But then there's Maybe. also the stigma, too. Like, if you go and work for a, for a cannabis lab, can you go back to Biogen? Right. Um, how, how closely will that stigma follow you? And that's something very real, I think, for a lot of women in particular who go into cannabis. Um, but that's know, what we're working on. We're, we're, we're crushing the stigma. That's the whole point of it. Like, I really do play. This, this is really who I am. I'm hanging <laughs> out. <laughs> I just, it's fine. Cannabis is fine if you're yeah, a professional. It's all right. I have yet to, be, I have yet to uh, become a heroin addict, and I've been using the old, uh, the old reefer for decades. So. And, and I think America has decided the war on drugs is dead. I, I keep, you know, we're yeah, done. People are kind of getting hip to that. Who, who, <laughs> I think who won? Did we win? Drugs oh, yeah, we won. won. Oh, good. We Drugs won. won. Did you see the election results? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, Dave, Drugs won. <laughs> Yay. All right. So let's, before we take our break, let's see. So New England. I know New Jersey isn't really New England, but it's the East Coast. So. Northeast. We're elevated Northeast. <laughs> elevated Northeast. Okay. I, I, I know I don't yeah. want to call it New England. So anyway, so we're coming. So what's your vision? What, how's this, how are you expanding? What's going on with Elevate Northeast? And sure. So, so like I mentioned, some of my clients, one of which is an MSO and they're looking at other states and that's been exciting to get experience of uh, the different markets outside of Massachusetts, but I'm going to continue working with my different clients. And then also with Elevate, Tashonda, who's our director of community outreach, she's now based in the DC area. So we've been, yeah, and we've, we've taken on somebody that's helping on some of the marketing work. He's also down in the DC area. So we're really trying to be Northeast and just kind of seeing how Jersey plays out. Connecticut's going to be big oh, yeah. uh, for us. It's just given proximity, but yeah, New Jersey, Connecticut, and New York, those are going to be big States that are coming. <laughs> and there are a lot of women. I, I do some other events, virtual events have become my thing. Just meeting women from across the country. I am yeah. trying to focus on new England this season. So 
just in terms of events for you for Elevate, who are you collaborating with people? Are you trying? Yeah. What's your vision so, for like the spring? <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be releasing. We have a twelve month schedule of events. We're calling them the business enrichment series that are going to be the virtual, like we started doing over the summer about certain topics that will impact people's businesses. Um, let's talk. Be- let's talk about some of the. I mean, some of the things. What are people asking you that they need help with, and what are the things that you're offering people? So everybody asks about marketing and advertising, <laughs> and then that's what I do. So I always feel awkward about doing marketing events, but we will do another one of those. Um, a lot of people are really interested in, in the in the psychedelics, psilocybin and oh, yeah. how is that going? Like, where are the opportunities for a business to embrace that? That, that is um, big. Like, so play, I, attorneys, I just, I have an attorney coming on soon to just open up a law firm in New York, uh, plants. I forget the name of it, but it's cannabis and psilocybin. And yeah. she has an Instagram site called Jews Who Toke. Jews who poke. <laughs> Check her out, man. <laughs> and trim. <laughs> but my husband keeps, I go to these ladies and plant conferences and stuff. He's like, really? We're not stopping at cannabis? No, we're not. We're not. But there's a lot um, of breathing. Like all these ladies events, I feel very cleansed afterwards. Like everyone's very, they try to make these events as holistic. It's not like the old school. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Yeah. No, it's just shameless. It's, it's we're talking about therapies or innovations that will help people live better, be happier, connect with people better. Like what's not to love about that, especially these days. Yeah. Um, so this so is I'm like, all- it's, it's bringing people together. So, uh, so are you, what's the school that out in Holyoke or what do you? Yeah. So yeah. Elevate has a partnership with Holyoke Community College. We do, it, it's online now, but okay. we just had that employer roundtable that I mentioned on Friday, but then in the spring and starting in January, I know that's not the spring, but when we're talking about academia, <laughs> the spring <laughs> schedule, right? Spring semester. Um, we have no, that time has no meaning anymore, Beth. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I know, at some point. <laughs> so there's going to be uh, their four core tracks that uh, people can enroll in to learn specifically about cultivation specifically about working in a medical facility and dealing with patients, specifically about processing and extraction and cultivation too. And it's it's the actual cannabis type of curriculum, but then they're also peppering in some classes from the college about be, like financial literacy, customer service. So it's not just weed stuff. It's also giving people more of a broader perspective about how to do well in their jobs and help their companies, you know, it's be, business. Be I just, I, this is transitioning. Th- I mean, I just, I find this amazing. And again, this is industry. This is, these are jobs, people and their skills. Oh, and right. I love that you're connecting with the community colleges. That's just brilliant. Oh yeah. And it's virtual now too. So we're not limited to just Holyoke geography. So as long as Massachusetts, anybody could do it. And it, you, the students come out with a certificate that they can then bring to their employer and show, I know this stuff. So we're hoping that it's it's a really valuable program for people and excited to obviously be a part of something that's really with a, with a legitimate college. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and again, that's just the idea that Worcester is the cannabis capital of Massachusetts, but Holyoke, they treat cannabis very normally too. So I'm proud oh, of them. Oh yeah, they love it out there. Thank goodness they need it. Yeah. <laughs> they do need it. Anyone from not Massachusetts, it's just the Western part of the state is just the Western part of the state. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Worcester and then left. Worcester. Worcester. All right. So I do actually have to take a break. Yeah. So back on the other side with our cannabis business consultant, Beth Waterfall of Elevate Northeast. We'll be back. Surprise. It's me again. I wanted to take a minute to thank everyone who's made season two of the Cannamom show so much fun and so popular. Honestly, I'm a little overwhelmed. And to show our gratitude, the Cannamom show team has some exciting news to share with you. If you are a cannabis-focused business or want to find cannabis industry connections in your field, 
or want to engage with cannabis activists, we want to hear from you. Because beginning in 2021, The Cannamon Show will be offering sponsorships that will allow you to support the voices of women in this industry that need to be elevated and give you the opportunity to connect with the thousands now engaged each and every week with The Cannamon Show on multiple social media platforms, podcast distribution sites, and internationally on our Canadian Cannamon Amy Ryman site, Hip lives. So if you sell a product, offer a service, or want to engage others, the Cannamom Show wants to hear from you. And together, we will crush that cannabis stigma one can of story at a time. Now, back to the show. Welcome. We are back. And before we finish up our conversation with Beth, I just want to talk about Irie Bliss Wellness. So they're an awesome business down in Rockland. She just opened up another one down in Weymouth. But I just want to tell a personal story so you know how good they are. So my brother, Mark, Dave, Mark. Of course, my buddy, yes. my boy. So um, Mark has two small children. He's got a wife and a lot of stress and he's not sleeping. So I ordered him a whole bunch of stuff from her because I know her. She does great things. I've seen her around. She got stuff from my mom. And for whatever reason, our United States Postal Service is having issues. <laughs> and it wasn't. Whatever. I think it there's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> so I reached out to her on Tuesday and I said, Sandy, what's going on? It looks like it was delivered, but it never got there. Mm. She sent her husband out. Really? <laughs> he delivered it. How's that for service? Personally. That's right. Great. Yes. So if you are looking for some awesome products made um, right here in Massachusetts with a great local person who can give you not just the products, but she does some consultation, information about education. She's the whole deal. She's got a new shop in Weymouth. So Irie Bliss, my friend Sandy, tell them that the Canna Mom Show sent you or reach out to them online. I guess that's how it works these days. And I don't know. I just really want to support her. Looking for some great products for this holiday season. Check them out. So. Cool. Joyce, when your quilt is ready, I just want you to know I'm ready. Coat of many colors. How he loved his coat of many colors. It was red and yellow and green and brown. I used to be able to do all those colors, actually. I when I when the quilt is done, I'll sing it for you. <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to that. That was the Donny. That was the Donny Osmond version. But they made it. They made a movie out of it, starring Donny Donny Osmond in '99. I didn't even know. I know. And I have to, I will say, I saw it with my mom. My mom was a theater person. That's why I like theater. So when we traveled, we'd always go see something. And I remember being in Washington, D.C., and she took us to the Lincoln Theater. And it was a pretty cool theater. And I saw that show. I was like, I think my eyes were bugging out of my head. I'm like, what is that? That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it on Broadway. Awesome. All right. So we're back with my friend Beth. So we never talked about your personal story. So people don't just exist in cannabis. They come from somewhere. So you came from a pretty straight-laced world of business, but how did you get, you said you met your friends through cannabis. What's your personal story and like, how did your family, you're from New England, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. How did they react? <laughs> so so I, uh, yeah, I grew up right outside of Worcester in a little town called Holden, about halfway between downtown Worcester and Wachusett Mountain. And cannabis was not something that was really okay in my house, not to say it was never there. And then I was never caught with it. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, cannabis was bad, just like any drugs. But, you know, the family would party with booze. Oh, yeah. All the time. Mm -hmm. So I think from a young age, when like when I started using cannabis, when I I was 14 in the woods at Wachusett Regional High School. (laughs) (laughs) All stories again. Yeah, no, the good old days. But I realized very quickly because, I mean, I'm a smart person and, and we were taught as kids, this is 
this horrible thing that's going to make you insane or it's going to make you a horrible deadbeat, horrible person. So as I used cannabis through my teenage years, I was still able to get good grades, still able to have multiple jobs, still able to get into a good college, have positive relationships. So I learned pretty quickly that I'd been lied to <laughs> about cannabis, but I didn't really get how big I had been lied to about it. So it was, wasn't until like literally 2015, Joyce, when I went to that cannabis convention. And I remember I was, I was on the Cape with my parents that day. And I was so nervous to tell them that I was going to this pot convention because I was going, I had quit my job. I was the director of marketing at an accounting firm and I hated it. I was taking Xanax every day. It was like, my body was like, no sister, this is not for you anymore. Mm-hmm. And luckily my husband, we don't, we don't have children. So that's been another thing that, that has been a little bit of a blessing and been able to let me kind of maybe go a little bit further in some of my advocacy or push a little bit more Mm -hmm. than people who who have kids would be comfortable. And I've taken that on as a responsibility once I learned that. Um, Like, oh my gosh, I can say stuff that a mom would love to say, but maybe she can't yet. Afraid of being shamed? Absolutely. Or ostracized. I think that's the worst part. Yes. Or I had a woman really early on come up to me at a Woman Grow event and, or actually she was kind of in the back by her side. I remember it so perfectly. She was kind of hiding in the back and I wanted her to feel welcome. And so I went up to her and she's, she said, I, I shouldn't even be here. If my husband found out I was here or her ex-husband, it was. So she had concerns about her child being taken from her, if her ex-husband yes. was just hanging out with these stoners because that would be the perception. So I took that on really seriously. And actually in uh, 2016 with the campaign, Shalene Title, she had recommended me to work with this, basically the lobbying firm. And we started Massachusetts Mothers for Regulation and Taxation of Marijuana. And I was in charge of it, but I wasn't a mom, but I was able to, I never claimed to be a mom either. I was never being deceptive in any way. It was, I was using statistics and trying you're running, to- You're running an organization and creating an argument, of course. Yeah, but really trying to engage women and get moms specifically to vote yes on four. Well, um, it worked. <laughs> I mean, um, I will say I'm from New, I mean, I grew up in Boston, so I was shocked when it passed here. I mean, that was my yeah. sort of perception and I've had a, obviously a big turnaround. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So since then, my family also, the, the turnaround has happened. So you did. So that's going to back up. So this happens so often to all the women I talk to. So you're having this experience of like, it's working for me. I feel better. Everyone on the outside is telling me I'm going to go crazy. And I don't know what to believe because I don't know what any cannabinoid system is. I don't even know. I don't even understand the war on drugs as a farce. I mean, you don't know anything. You just know. I didn't know any of that. All you knew is that your own body was saying, I feel better and I can function. So I'm just not going to tell anybody and pretend like it's not true. Right, right. Okay. So when, yeah, so when I quit my job and I learned, I went to that convention and I saw Ellen Brown and Holly Alberti and Chanel Lindsay and Michelle Bouchard talking about cannabis like a real industry, real solutions for patients. And I said, this is legitimate. Okay, there's an opportunity here. And I ended up taking classes out of the New England Grassroots Institute, which were taught by Ellen Brown. But that's where I learned about really the harms of the war on drugs. A huge thing that I remember my mouth just, my jaw just dropping was learning about since like 2002 or 2003, how cancer.gov, like the United States government knows (laughs) that certain cannabinoids can help in the treatment and, and even curing some cancer. And then also with dementia. And that was the big thing for me to learn uh, because I had a grandmother who had recently passed and she had dementia. And that's terrible to, to sit with somebody who you love, who's dealing with that. And to learn like, oh my gosh, all those times I visited my grandmother and I had weed in my pocket, like 
Could I have had her have like a better experience? Could I have brought her some comfort? But I was like, oh my God, I hope she doesn't smell it. Right. Uh, oh my. <laughs> so I was, I was really angry when I, when yeah. I, the more I learned, I got really pissed off. And I was just like, I have been deceived. My family's been deceived. My friends have been deceived. I do marketing. Let's do something. Let's put marketing. Let's, 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 let's do some good with the, the marketing. Yes. So that's, that's what I've done. I mean, marketing is about changing perceptions. And so I knew I had a skill set and I could do something. And I believe so passionately about it. I was all 100% in and there was just no looking back. And for people who said, oh, you're not going to be able to get a job at an accounting firm again. I was like, yes, I will. Because guess what? They're going to be doing marijuana someday too. So, and they're, they're all like bugging. They want to get in. That's so awesome. I, I mean, again, like, so that idea that we can use our passions, we can use our skill set, and we're professionalizing this industry and that yeah. there shouldn't there shouldn't be any shame. And no. and the whole world lives by stories. I talk about you know, like I talk about religion, you know, pot politics and religion all the time. And uh, all religions are narrated by stories. We all yeah. tell stories. That's literally how we live our lives. So the story we were told was wrong, people. It was literally just wrong. Yeah. And sometimes you're just wrong. So we're creating this new narrative. So there will be no shame and that this is a business. This is gonna make money. This is America and it could heal us. I don't know. There's, it's like the one thing that we all agree on. <laughs> it is the war on drugs. We've come a long way since reefer madness. We have. I'm right. glad because you know what? Because not the people who can talk back to power aren't just white men. She always picks on white men. <laughs> I'm sitting. I'm sitting right here, Joyce. <laughs> it's like you're invisible. Now you know how it feels. <laughs> can I be? Can I at least be one of the good ones? You can be. You okay. can be. You're, you're living in my world. You're willing to put up with me every single week. You come. <laughs> I come back on here and I say it, and you take it every week. <laughs> you're clearly an ally. <laughs> yes, you're an ally. So, all right. So we actually got to go because Beth has a, another call. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God! Thank you for coming on. That, that was awesome. Well, anybody, if people like, what's the next big thing that's coming up that you want people to know about? If they want to be involved with Nikan, how do they reach you? That kind of thing. So for Nikan, Nikan just put out a schedule for the shows for uh, 2021. So if you're a subscriber, take a look or go to Nikan.com to see uh, the events and hopefully they'll all happen. Everybody be cool and safe and we'll be able to get back together sooner. But then on the Elevate side, I mentioned we're going to be launching or releasing our 2012, excuse me, 2021 schedule of events, both our education enrichment series and our community conversation uh, series of events. So stay tuned for that. We're also launching a new website, which is going to be awesome for our members. And then just on, on my consulting side, I'm always uh, open to talking to people and kind of strategically taking on select clients. So. <laughs> And if, uh, and if ladies out there, if you want to become part of Elevate, what do they do? Just go on your website. The ladies and gentlemen. He, oh, ladies, uh, people. Um, yeah. People. People. Welcome. Yes. <laughs> so it's elevatene.org. And on social, we're at elevate underscore ne. And it'll, it'll be in the notes. Everything's always <laughs> in the notes. Okay. So thank you from my guest, Beth Waterfall of Elevate Northeast and Waterfall. Is it Waterfall Consulting? Is that the actual? I just call it Beth Waterfall Creative. Beth Waterfall Creative, because we are creatives. We're creative people. We create. Awesome. Totally. Canabro, Dave, thanks for putting up with us another week. I guess I'll come <laughs> back next week. One more Okay. Week. And Janice, our media guru. Great job. I want to thank Josh Lampkin and Bella Jaffe for writing and performing the Canamom music. But most importantly, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canamom show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry one can of story at a time please follow us on social media subscribe anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast i'm joyce gerber this is the cannabom show 
and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.